But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against this such things, there is no law. So tonight here on G220 Radio, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I'm Ricky Gantz. This is G220 Radio. I want to thank you for tuning in to the program here tonight. Uh, if you are watching over on the G220 Radio YouTube channel, uh, we appreciate you being there. Uh, we know we are also streaming this on the G220 Ministries YouTube channel. Uh, so I want to thank you if you are tuning in over there as well. And on Facebook and on X, formerly known as Twitter, we are streaming. So tonight, like I said, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, as I mentioned it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're going to look at each one of these fruits and talk about them. Uh, it's interesting when you think about this passage, the fruit of the Spirit, and it mentions these different characteristics in which we display uh, and that is of the Spirit uh, given to us, it is one fruit. It's not multiple fruits, although there is many uh, ways in which this is displayed here. And so we're going to talk about that here tonight on G220 Radio. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're going to get into that, but I want to let you know that coming up in the future here on G220 Radio. We do have another series. Some of you may have seen this already posted on the G220 Radio Facebook page. We have a series coming up in the month of October. October is that spooky month, right? It's that uh, I was joking uh, with my family after uh, dinner and I said, I don't believe in spooks. And it made me think of the Wizard of Oz when the, the, the cowardly lion and they're going through the forest. And he says, I do believe in spooks. I do, I do, I do, I do believe in spooks. But uh, it, it got me thinking because <clears throat> we want to do a series. Excuse me. We want to do a series on strange things in the Bible. And you think about the witches and you think about angels and the 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 beasts that are mentioned in the scripture and demons and and we're going to talk about some of these things giants uh one of the things on on the um, thumbnail that i put together there's a bigfoot i'm not saying bigfoot is mentioned in the scripture although some christian uh, podcasts that i've listened to seem to think that he's a descendant of the nephilim but we're going to get into that series in the month of october we're going to kind of spread it out through october and kind of go through it. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited about that. Uh, and so we're going to be uh, kind of digging into some of those things because I think it is important to look at uh, those things that are in the Bible. And sometimes they're just glanced over, or maybe we take 
a very literal approach. Maybe we take too much of a symbolic approach. I, I don't know uh, what, what position you may take on some of those things, but we're going to go ahead and dig into that next month. Next week, we're going to have a conversation about street evangelism uh, with David Hunter. Uh, he's a local uh, street evangelist uh, brother who's been out on the streets for some time, uh, a little while and getting uh, excited. He's excited and it's got me fired up and excited whenever I see brothers getting out there and sharing the gospel. Uh, and as I mentioned on last week's program, wanting to get back to uh, the heart of G220 radio and the ministries has always been evangelism. And, and we haven't shied away from that. Uh, but every once in a while, <clears throat> we used to bring on guys who were out there sharing the gospel on the streets and get their testimony and hear about their stories uh, of encounters that they may have had on the streets and getting fired up and hoping to fire up others to do so as well. It is so vitally important that we as Christians shine the light of Christ to a lost and dying world. You know, let us be that city on a hill, you know, that is that is proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ, whether that be on the street or at the grocery store, at the gas station, um, at your job, <clears throat> at school, if you're a student in college or, or, or uh, high school, share the gospel because it is so vitally important that people know Christ. No one can be saved apart from Jesus Christ. And so if we have the message of Christ, why wouldn't we share Christ, right? And so uh, we, we want to encourage people to do so. And I'm sorry, I'm having some issues with my throat here tonight. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get through this program. I think we will. I think we'll be good. Uh, and so, uh, but let's get into this. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 2, 5, 22 and 23. It's very interesting. I don't know if you ever heard this song. I was going to play it, but I, I didn't want to have like YouTube or something give me some copyright strike or something like that. So I just avoided it. But there's this kid's song, The Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. And, and then it goes through these different fruits. And it, it's a great song. It helps you to learn the fruit of the Spirit. And they say it pretty fastly. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Um, now I'm having a brain freeze forgetting it. Um, but he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And they say it pretty fast. Uh, but it's amazing how when something is in song, you can pick it up and you can learn it. And so it is important for us to know uh, these fruit, because as Christians, we should be displaying the fruit of the Spirit. And you're going to see the contrast uh, in this when it talks about being displaying the, the, the bad fruit, the sinful acts of the flesh, as opposed to good fruit. So we should be displaying good fruit good fruit. Okay. And so, uh, that's one of the things you can look for when you are looking at people who profess to be Christians or when you are looking at others, others who are teaching, including myself, like, like here, this is a platform. It's not a big platform. It's not a large platform, but some people can have larger platforms. Social media has given many people an opportunity to have a voice, maybe one that they didn't have before. And so there are people with platforms and you can look and say, does this individual that I'm listening to display the fruit of the spirit? You know, now there's a time for correcting. There's a time for judging. There's a time for rebuking. Uh, there's a time for encouraging and building up. But there is also what needs to happen is a display of the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. We got a comment here from a vertical connection here it says, absolutely. Sharing the word of God is a mandate, a command, not a request. Amen. 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 And amen to your amen, brother. So <clears throat> it's so vitally important that we as Christians are displaying, displaying the fruit of the spirit. Right. And so we're going to look at this. this is, as I said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's going to be times we're going to fall short. There are going to be times we fall short. And in those times, we need to recognize that we've sinned. We've fallen short. Maybe we weren't displaying love, peace, patience, kindness, joy, uh, gentleness or self-control. We need to go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And if it, this is in a maybe in the context of your marriage. 
You may need to go to your wife and say, you know, I really wasn't gentle with how I spoke, or I really wasn't kind with my words there. Um, I really wasn't displaying a lot of patience tonight with the children. We're going to talk about some of these things here, but you may have to do that. Uh, And as Christians, it, it shows that we as Christians who still have this flesh that remains, and we may sin at times, we have an advocate with the Father who is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we go and we confess our sin before Him. And so uh, keeping those things in mind can help us step to live out a Christian life balanced and not one of pretending to be something we are not, pretending to be maybe holier than thou, but being upfront and honest that, hey, as Christians, we should display this fruit, but when we fail, we need to confess. Uh, We need to confess to the Lord, and we need to confess to those who uh, we may uh, bite and, uh, you know, um, maybe have a lack of patience for, because it can be difficult. I mean, as someone who evangelizes, there are many times, uh, I shouldn't say many times, there are many times where I have conversations with people that can be difficult individuals, and you have to still display the fruit of the Spirit. You have to be loving. You have to be patient. You got to be compassionate with people, uh, because ultimately you want them to come to know the to, to know the Lord. But also, you sometimes can be. Um, sometimes I think, uh, if I'm being honest, there are times in my life where I've been uh, maybe rude or I've been um, sharp because of the fact that you're talking to this person, talking to this person, this person just seems like they want to waste your time. They're really not uh, being genuine about their conversation with you. And so you don't display these characteristics. You maybe go the other way. And again, that's where then we, we confess it before the Lord. We even at times, maybe even in the conversation we're having, you know what? I'm getting a little frustrated. I apologize. I should not be acting that way and continue the conversation. So let's look at this, the fruit of the spirit. Let's take a look at love. And love is love, love. I, I think of a princess bride, right? Love. We are gathered here today. Love. Okay, I can't do it, but um, and I don't have anybody to bounce anything off of because Mike's not here, so he's not really laughing or smiling or giving me this look like, what are you doing? So anyway, love. It is love seeks the highest good of others. Love is is this this fruit that we should display as Christians, uh, that is seeking the highest good of others, not always ourself. And and if we're honest, there are many times where we can be self-centered, we can be selfish, where we want what's best for us rather than what is best for others. And, And love, love, as I said, is seeking the highest good of others. And so the definition here is love is not based on on emotions or feelings, as the world would want us to think that it's this emotional feeling that you have. You get butterflies in the stomach when you're in love with someone. Um, it's a decision to be committed to uh, a, to the well-being. It's a decision to be committed to the well-being of others without any conditions or circumstances. So I'm, I'm choosing to make a commitment to love someone despite what they do for me or don't do for me. It's not a, well, you do this for me and I'll do this for you. No, love is displaying this fruit of, I'm seeking the benefit of others despite what I get out of it. And like I said, sometimes we can be very selfish and not seek the benefit of others, but also, or but, but rather seek the benefit of our own being, our own self. And so, but that's not the definition of love. And it's not this feeling because, you know, if, if you've <clears throat> been married for any time, you know, there are times where you are angry with your spouse, upset with your spouse. Um, and the feeling might not be one of happiness with them uh, because of maybe an argument you're having or something that you're dealing with. Those feelings can go up and down, but the commitment the commitment is to be one that is constantly seeking the well-being of others. Seeking the well-being of others. And so, uh, got a little distracted. I heard something outside, so forgive me there. Threw me off. Um, <clears throat> so, y- you are, you're committed to seeking the, the, the well-being of others rather than what you're being dependent upon emotions and feelings, Right. So also when you think about love, when we look at this and we see how did Jesus display this? How is this exemplified 
in Christ, right? Because he is our ultimate uh, standard by which we look to. We look to God and his word, which is a standard of perfection, which we don't live up to. But what we want to learn from the example of our Lord, how did he display this? <clears throat> and we see this in this famous verse of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. Uh, this is God displaying his love for us. He's sending his son into the world to die. The love of the father to send his son to die, to redeem a people unto himself. The love of the son to willingly, willingly go to the cross and die on the cross, laying down his life for those who will believe in him. And you think about that, this, this display of love. Jesus said in, in John 15, 9, he said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Think about that. Just as the Father has loved us, Jesus loves us. And he says to us to remain in his love. I mean, this is the love of Christ displayed for us and exemplified in Christ Jesus. This is just, it's a beautiful uh, a picture of love. It's not based upon, as I said, emotions or feelings, because think about it. If God was like we are, moved by his emotions and feelings, he's probably going to be mad at us all the time. Because what we do, when we're kind of like, uh, Israel in, in the Old Testament. You think about Israel there. They're walking with the Lord. They're doing what's right with the Lord. You think of the judges, the time of the judges. They're doing what's right. Then they go off track and God's got to send a judge to bring them back on track. But he's not, he's not moved in his love for his people. His love is still love for them. It's commitment to them. Despite what we may fail to do, and <clears throat> so he's not moved by those emotions. I know we've done a show on uh, uh, the impassibility of God in the past, uh, or maybe we haven't. I think Mike's always talking about that one. I know we did a, a, a show on um, um, all that is in God is God, the simplest divine simplicity of God. And so I think we've talked about it in that. Um, but Mike's joke is that we always, let's do a show on impassibility. But that's where we talk about this. God is not He's, he's without passions. He, he's not moved by his emotions. Uh, he's not carried by his feelings. He's committed to those who are his, and he loves us. And Jesus said in, in John 15, 12 and 14 as well, he said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Think about that, right? Because how often do we as Christians fail here? where we are not loving each other as Christ has loved us. Again, we're moved by our feelings and emotions many times. Well, this Christian brother ain't doing this for me, or this Christian brother said this mean thing to me, you know, or or the way that he acts kind of offends me, or it's not my kind of guy or or, or girl, you know, the, the way that the things they like to do is not the things I like to do. And <clears throat> But that's not how God is with us. Christ is not like that. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And so Christ is showing this again, exemplifying this love that he has for us. And he's calling us to love one another. And greater love is, has no, no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Christ died for his friends. Are we willing to lay down our lives for our friends, for our brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, um, maybe we don't have to get to that point where we are laying down our life. Uh, it may happen in, in many countries where there's uh, severe persecution. But maybe here right now, we, we are not experiencing those kind of things. But, but consider what I was talking about in the beginning, laying down the things that maybe are our own comforts like stepping out into the world and sharing the gospel. You know how crazy people think you are when you stand on a street and you preach the gospel on the street? I, I just had this conversation today where um, some of my friends who 
will that I go out on the street with here in my city, uh, they're making a difference, uh, right? Because people notice it. They are seeing these people out on the streets. And you know what they say? Those crazy preachers on the streets, it's like a cult because they're out there with their signs and they're preaching uh, and, and there's more of them popping up in the area. And I'm like, praise the Lord that these men, these brothers, these friends of mine that are out here in our city sharing the gospel, having their signs out in city areas where people are driving by and seeing them are loving their neighbor enough, regardless of how crazy we look to the unbelieving world. But they're doing it for the love of their neighbor to know Christ, to know Christ. You think of uh, some other scripture reference here, uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not or does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love God one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Our brothers and sisters, do, do we display this kind of love? This is, this is a fruit of the spirit. Love, which is seeking the highest good of others, putting others before ourselves. I know I fall short. Uh, do you fall short? Um, uh, this is an area where we need to Seek the, the Spirit of God, seek God, ask the Spirit to increase in our love for one another so that we would display this fruit uh, and it would just be this overflowing from us because it is in us to love one another, to be, as we'll see, patient with one another, kind to one another, um, compassionate towards one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about joy. Let's talk about joy. Uh, joy is this gladness. And again, it's not based upon circumstances. If joy was based upon circumstances, uh, again, like, like love, if it was based upon feelings and emotions, if joy was based upon our circumstances, it would always be like this. We wouldn't have joy in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our sufferings. But joy is this gladness that is not based on circumstances. So joy is more than happiness. Uh, it's not based on a financial success, good health, or popularity. By believing in God, obeying His will, receiving His forgiveness, participating in fellowship with other believers, ministering to others, and sharing the gospel, believers will experience joy. Think about this. You will experience joy. So regardless of your circumstances, God gives us joy in our lives as Christians, whether you are suffering through the, the, the loss of a loved one, uh, the loss of a job, even in the midst of those, those uh, sufferings or those trials, we can have joy. You can have joy, right? Um, Christ, again, the way in which we see Christ display this, uh, at that time, Jesus in Luke 10, 21 says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. So Christ had joy, right? And it's displayed in Christ. Uh, John 17, 13, it says, Jesus said, I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. You know, this is where Christ is praying for his people. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those who will come to know him through them. And he's saying that, um, that these things, while I am still in the world, that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. 
Other scripture references here, John 16, 22 through 24 says, and Jesus said, and now is your, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take you away or no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name until now. You have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive it and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, Though you have not seen him, meaning Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith in the salvation of your souls. This glorious joy that we can have and experience as believers in Christ. <clears throat> and let's talk about peace, peace, peace. Man, peace is this contentment. It's unity between people. Um, and ultimately, we as believers have a peace with God that the unbeliever cannot experience. The unbeliever does not experience peace with God unless they come to faith in Jesus Christ then they can really truly experience peace but this is a fruit of the spirit this is this is a gift from the spirit of god to us of love joy peace peace with god peace with others being able to be and have contentment in your situations right you can have peace with it despite of your your financial circumstances if if you have a job or you don't have a job um if if you're struggling and maybe have some issues in your marriage or struggling with a child, uh, maybe a teenager that's rebellious. These things are not um, at times easy to deal with, but yet you can still have peace, just like you can have joy in these times of trials and suffering. You can still have contentment because it's found in God. It's peace with God. Um, peace is a state of assurance. It's a lack of fear and a sense of contentment. It is a fellowship, harmony, and unity between individuals. Peace is freedom from worry, disturbance, and oppressive thoughts. So having peace. We see this again. Think about this. Isaiah 9. It's often quoted at Christmas time. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He's the Prince of Peace. The Bible also says that, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So when it talks about this, when we think about with our brothers and sisters, by all means, whatever you do um, with your brothers and sisters, because there's going to be times where there's disagreements or maybe even with neighbors or family members, do what you can to maintain peace as far as it, you know, um, as far as you can, right? As far as it is up to you, do what you can to maintain peace with, with others and uh, <clears throat> may not always be the case. Uh, because again, we know that <clears throat> if you are preaching Christ, you're living for Christ, you're going to have people that hate you. So that's that's unavoidable. But as far as it is up to you, you tr you seek to live at peace with others. Um, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. He's a God of peace. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, it is this having this contentment, <clears throat> because I guarantee if you're listening to this and you are a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, I guarantee you've experienced times of suffering, maybe a loss. And yet, even in those times, seeking the Lord. Now, the unbeliever, like I said, you're not going to have genuine peace until you come to Christ. But for the believer, you come to Christ, and even in those times of loss, you can still have that joy, and you can still find peace. 
you can still find peace with God. <clears throat> and I mean, I think sometimes when I wanted to do this, this uh, show here tonight, I thought to myself, like, this is one of those things you don't really often think about too much. You know what I mean? You don't think about it maybe as much as we probably should. Um, we, we often uh, <clears throat> overlook these things or we read through it and don't really meditate upon it. We don't really consider these things that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, even in the song, while the song helps you memorize it, you may not really think about it, but to sit and think about these fruit that God gives to us by the spirit of God helps us in this life to overcome the struggles and the trials and the tribulations. And, and while we, we suffer, I'm not, discounting the sufferings that we may experience and the trials we may go through or or the, the the losses we may face but in it we can have peace because we ultimately have peace with god and this world is temporary we experience it and I, again i'm not trying to downplay the experiences that we have but we ultimately knowing that we have peace with god and we will one day be with him in eternal peace where there is no more death there is no more suffering uh, man, just to think about those things, I really meditate upon them uh, and consider them. Another gift of the uh, fruit here is patience. Boy, this one, this one, I think if we're honest, we can all probably like all the other ones. We can work on this one, right? Patience, slow to speak and slow to anger, slow to speak and slow to anger. You've got teenagers. <laughs> Hey, let's be real. Sometimes, sometimes teenagers can get under your skin. But what, what kind of display really speaks to them? I'm saying there's not, not that there's not a time for discipline, not that there's not a time for correction and punishment, because there is, right? Um, spare the rod, spoil the child. But, but think about this. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this as, as we're talking about it. Think about the display the the um uh, what's yeah the display really think about how your children are going to respond or even see the love of Christ in you right by the patience that you display even when they they are really doing their best to get under your skin right but to be slow to speak and slow to anger that's why it's it's important when we when we discipline children and we did a series on parenting uh, or we did a series on um um relationships with with parenting and we, and we did marriage and we talked about when in parenting you don't want to discipline your children in anger sometimes it's better to be slow to speak to to pull back when 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 your children do something that that is wrong or maybe at your job when somebody does something, maybe you're the boss or your supervisor, and they and, and one of your employees does something wrong. To, to take a step back, think about it, process it, pray about it, ask the Lord, Lord, help me to respond in a way that displays patience, that displays love, kindness. Um uh and 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 if a correction is needed very much may be, then help me to do it in a way that displays and honors you. And patience is one of those things that absolutely does that. Uh, patience is a slowness in avenging wrongs. I mean, how often do we see somebody say, well, so-and-so did this to me, so I got to do this to them. Or I've seen this, I've experienced this in my life. Years ago, you may have had a run-in with somebody and then, um, not meaning you're fighting, but physically fighting, but you had a running, you're bumping heads. And then years later, you, you think that things are squashed and you're, you're trying to, to, to have unity and those things that they had a problem with back then, or that you butted heads with over back then they rear their way up, just waiting for an opportunity to use it against you. That's not patience, right? Patience isn't like looking to avenge wrongs. It's, it's, it's not right. Uh, it is the quality of restraint that prevents believers from speaking or acting hastily in the face of disagreements, oppositions, and persecution. Patience is bearing pain 
or problems without complaining. Think about that. Bearing pain or problems without complaining about it. I can be a complainer sometimes. Okay, maybe a lot of times. Um, If I'm not feeling good, (laughs) I'm probably the biggest baby in the house. I get a cold. Like I'm, I'm immovable. I'm, I'm out of, I'm out of commission for days, right? My littlest one gets a cold. She's running all over the house, playing and doing all kinds of things. Like I don't have that energy. I don't have that, that kind of uh, ability, but just using that as an example, but pain or, or having these problems without complaining about it. Like that's displaying some patience, right? Um, and then in your dealing with other people, obviously, uh, you show a lack of patience because you're not feeling well. And so you respond quickly rather than being slow to speak and slow to anger. <clears throat> First Timothy 1, 15 and 17, when we think about Christ as our example, uh, in a letter to his friend Timothy, the Apostle Paul wrote, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, think about that. The the unlimited patience of Christ. Again, just, just like when you think about the joy and and uh peace that we have with God, um, his patience toward us. His patience toward us, because we fall short. It, it, again, unless you think you're a sinless perfectionist, which I hope you don't, we as Christians fall short. We fall short. Just like Israel. Sometimes I think we look at Israel and we say, how in the world did they go through the wilderness, see the miraculous things of Christ, and yet keep falling on their faces? And then I'm like, well, we do the same thing. We do the same thing, right? We, we, we know the faithfulness of God towards us, and yet we fall. We fail. And yet he's patient with us, displaying his patience toward us. Proverbs 14, 29. um, A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Displays folly. Now, we did a series. We've done series on Proverbs. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what chapter we're on yet. We haven't finished the series on it. Uh, We do it kind of sporadically, but I know we've covered uh, chapter 14 and there's so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs, so much, so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And, and when you think about this, this, this patience, right? A patient man has great understanding. Think about that. The, The display in which you, you show your patience, it is showing to the world that you have great understanding. Again, you're you're not quick to speak and angry quickly. You're slow to speak. You're slow to anger. You're you're seeking again to to display this patience towards others and to think it through. And again, the best thing always is to seek the Lord in prayer. How should I respond in this situation? This person that is doing something towards me or if it's a child that is doing something incorrectly that needs to be disciplined, help me to display patience towards them, that they would learn that from me and see Christ in me displaying that before them. And so Proverbs has a lot of wisdom uh, to, 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 to give us that we can glean from. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, um, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Think about that. Think about that. A hot-tempered man is always stirring up strife. He's always looking to, he's always getting into uh, issues and problems, right? They're always stirring up dissensions all the time. Every time you see this individual, they're in conflict. There's drama 
all the time, over and over and over again. But a patient man, he can calm a quarrel. You think about this, right? When I was in the military, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I learned from some of my um, sergeants before me, before I became a sergeant in, the, in the, the military and had a squad, was in how you deal with individuals, right? How you deal with the soldiers that you are trying to teach. And when, when, when a situation, you need to assess the situation, if there's a conflict, if there's an issue going on, maybe between soldiers in your squad or in your platoon, um, or if you're just out on patrol and you're coming across civilians and you're in another country, whatever, you assess the situation, you look at it, you gain some insight before you make a quick decision, before you jump hastily at something. And that display that shows uh, that you're uh, has great understanding, as Proverbs 14 said, um, and here it also says that that if there's a quarrel, if there's something going on, and you you listen, you you are patient before you respond, you might be able to 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 squash that, to end that quarrel, right? And that's what it's saying there in Proverbs 15. A patient man calms a quarrel, so you assess it. There, there's times, for example. There are times where I've been evangelizing on the street and it gets a little heated. The person is yelling at me, maybe throwing things at me, uh, cursing at me, giving me the number one finger, um, telling me I'm number one, but you know what I mean. And they're angry because of the preaching of the gospel. They're angry because they don't like me because I'm proclaiming Christ. Ultimately, I hope it's not because I'm just acting like a jerk, uh, but they're, 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 their hatred is because I'm proclaiming Christ. They don't like the gospel. Uh, the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And so in those times, you, you, you're you sitting there, and again, this is why I mentioned the military, because I kind of take this as, as another that something that I've learned that the Lord has shown me over time, um, and I've learned from those experiences, that when I'm out there, okay, a soft answer turns away wrath. So they're they're mad. They're angry. So I speak gently and, and, a, and a soft response to them. Like I'm not your enemy. I'm not here to fight with you. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm not here to put you down. I'm just here to proclaim Christ. And there are many times, instances that I can, I can account for, that I've had these conversations, and it seemed like it was getting out of hand. And just a soft answer, it turned away this wrath, and the quarrel went away. And the, the argument, and you end up shaking these people, people's hands. They may not walk away a believer. But you displayed the character of Christ. You displayed patience with them, right? And who knows what the Lord may do in their life at some point. Maybe you just watered. Maybe you planted a seed. But God brings the increase. So you trust the Lord. We'll use those encounters. We'll use those encounters. And, and you pray that the patience that you display in those instances would be used by God to be brought to remembrance of this is how Christians act. Again, not that we're perfect, but this is how Christians should display their character, one of patience. Uh, it also says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encouraging the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Everyone. It's not even just, just brothers and sisters, as I was mentioning. Even sometimes those who are not brothers and sisters, be patient with everyone. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble, grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. James 5, uh, 8 and 9. So let us display patience. Let us display patience. Uh, and I got to get moving here. I'm not going to get through this teaching here tonight. Uh, here on the program, G220 Radio. Uh, kindness. Kindness is merciful, sweet, and tender. That's what it means to be kind. Doesn't mean you're soft. It means doesn't mean you're weak. It means you are merciful, sweet, and tender. Right? A kindness is an uh, an eagerness to put others at ease. It is a sweet and attractive temperament that shows friendly regard. This is what kindness is, um, and we see this displayed in Christ. Titus three, four, and five says, "But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, think about that. His kindness." And love of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of or by the Spirit. 
because of his kindness, right, is on display before us. In Ephesians 2, 6, and 7, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Man, think about God's grace, his mercy towards us, and he is expressing it in his kindness through Christ. Through Christ. Proverbs 11, 16 and 17 says, A kind-hearted woman gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. So again, being kind, uh, being kind-hearted um, is, is displaying that fruit. Uh, and I'm trying to move a little faster here, so bear with me. Uh, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord, Jeremiah uh, 9, 23 and 24. 23 and 24. All right. Let's move on here. We got four more and we've got 15 minutes. I think we could do it. I think we could do it. All right. Goodness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's talk about goodness. Is generous and open-hearted, right? You're generous and open-hearted. Goodness is the selfless desire to be open-hearted and generous to others above what they deserve. You know, the goodness of God, we don't deserve nothing. We Here's what we do deserve. We deserve eternal punishment in the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. But because of the goodness of God, he is generous and he is open-hearted. And because of his grace and his love for us, we can have eternal life in him. We don't have to experience condemnation. We don't have to experience the, the eternal fire uh, in, in this eternal lake of fire because Christ died to save sinners because of the goodness of God, because of the goodness of God. Uh, Titus 3, 4, and 7 says, but when the kindness and love of God, we, we mentioned this earlier, but when the kindness of love of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously, generously, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So again, remember, goodness is, is being generous and open-hearted. Uh, Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when you think about Psalm 23 here and David writing this psalm, hey, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. And we know the story of David, right? We know uh, the, the, the struggles that David went through because of the decisions that he made in life. Um, and, and, and so, but think he still, he's writing, surely goodness and love will follow me uh, and he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ephesians 5, 8 and through 10 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Again, Ephesians 5, uh, 8 through 10. <clears throat> Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So do good all to all people, but especially those who belong to the family of believers, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Being generous, being open-hearted, doing good for them, um, putting their, their, their needs above your own. That's, that's loving them as well, right? Faithfulness. Let's move on to faithfulness. It's dependable, loyal and full of trust, full of trust, right? And again, I don't, I don't think there's a, a, a better character of 
of uh of the faithfulness that we see displayed in Christ because man God is so faithful to us I mean just I think about this and I know I need to press on but I think about this and like man his faithfulness even when we are faithful faithless when we fail in our faith when we struggle in our faith and times of doubts times where we are not doing what we should do you know god is still faithful he's still faithful so faithfulness is firm devotion to god loyalty to friends and dependability to carry out responsibilities faith is the conviction that even now god is working and acting on one's behalf man uh, Isaiah 11:5, as we see this again in Christ, righteousness will be his, speaking of Jesus. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the stash around his waist. See, Isaiah's talking about this. We always talk about the 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 uh, uh the armor of God um in Ephesians, right? Think of these parallels, but we're talking about Jesus here. The, the righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist, Isaiah 11, 5. Uh, when seeing a vision of Jesus, John said, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, Revelation 19, 11. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house and we are his house if we hold, to, if we hold on to our courage and hope of which we boast, Hebrews 3, 6. It says in Proverbs 3, 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And again, I want to tell you to go back and listen to our Proverbs series. You can find it on our G220 Radio YouTube channel in the playlist. I think it's there. Um, <clears throat> pretty sure it's there. Uh, and uh, just it's a good series. I think we've we've kind of really dug into these. We went through it verse by verse. Uh, and so uh, it's a good series. Reprimanding a group of hypoc hypocritical religious leaders, Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of the spice, your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Uh, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, Matthew 23, 23. That's in the woes in which Jesus uh, just gives out to these Pharisees. Um in Revelation 2.10, it says, Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful. Consider our brothers and sisters. Let's just think about this. Consider our brothers and sisters around the world who are experiencing the persecution that leads to death. I mean, think about the hope. Think about the encouragement that Christ is giving here in Revelation 2.10 when he says, Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Man, now I'm not saying we 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 should have this you know, martyr complex where we're running out there and doing stupid things, but these men are faithful even unto the point of death, standing for Christ, standing for Him, standing on the promises that Christ has given, and standing on the fact that He is faithful to to bring those promises to its fruition. Um, man, just think about that. These are this is what our brothers and sisters in Christ are are doing around the world. And so we as Christians need to to keep them in prayer. Uh, we also need to to thank God for their testimony and encouragement to us to be faithful, even in a time when we are not experiencing that kind of persecution. That that should, I mean, we should be out there. I often say, maybe I'll talk about this next week on our show when we're talking uh, with Dave Hunter about evangelism on the streets. Is look if 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 you're not in a country where you're experiencing persecution. And they're faithful under that, but you're here in a country where you're not facing persecution and you're not faithful in proclaiming the truth and standing for Christ. Do you really think that you're going to do so if persecution comes? I sure hope so. Okay. All right. Let's talk about gentleness, gentleness, humble, calm, non-threatening, humble, calm, and non-threatening, right? Gentleness is a humble, non-threatening demeanor that derives from a position of strength and authority and is useful in calming another's anger. Gentleness is not a quality that is weak and passive, right? It's not that kind of quality, but you're gentle. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, 
Jesus said, come to me, all who are heavy, weary, or who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Give me a second. All right, sorry about that. He says he's gentle and humble in heart, gentle and lowly, right? And you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Matthew quoted Zechariah 9, 9 uh, in reference to Jesus's triumphal entry. And he is, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Um, Matthew 21, 5. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. Is something I mentioned earlier, right, when we talk about patience. But a harsh word stirs up anger. 1 Corinthians 4, 21 says, What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love and with a gentle spirit? Philippians 4, 4 through 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let gentleness, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That should convict us if we're not if we're not acting out upon a gentleness to our brothers and sisters and to others as well. Um, again, because this is a fruit of the spirit, so it's not that we don't have it because we don't lack anything. Um, the Bible says that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So this is a gift from the spirit. This is the fruit of the spirit. We have it. We may fail at times. We may quench the spirit. Uh, we may grieve the spirit. Um, we may sin. But it's not that you don't have gentleness. Uh, those in Christ have these things. They have these gifts. They have good fruit, right? They don't. They don't have the bad fruit. They have the good fruit. And so, uh, but sometimes because of our sin, because of our flesh, uh, we may fail. But again, thank God for His faithfulness to us, and His gentleness to us, His humility, and His calm, non-threatening that He would forgive us and cleanse us of all our sin. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, to give the reason for the hope that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Um, something, again, we, we really need to think about. I know uh, I'm a presuppositionalist when it comes to apologetics, uh, and I utilize that. But you have to be very careful because you can become um, prideful. You know, I've seen seen presuppositional apologetics done pridefully. Uh, I've seen people because they they can make the unbeliever look foolish that they don't display gentleness, and that that's not what we want to do. We want to be able to give an answer for the hope that we have and do so with gentleness and respect. Again, not not compromising, not cowering, uh, not not um, bending. Um, to, to make somebody like you, but answering them with truth, you know, gently um, and with respect for them. Again, sometimes it's a hard answer they need to hear, but you can still do it with a gentleness and respect. Self-control. Last one here, the fruit of the spirit. The last one, self-control means to behave well. It's behaving well, right? Self-control. Self-control is, is to restrain one's emotions, actions, and desires, and to not and to be in harmony with the will of God. Self-control is doing God's will, not living for one's self. Not living for oneself. As um Wig Quest um says, this is a tough one. Um, I think he was gonna write some more there. He or she, I'm not sure. Um, but <clears throat> so forgive me, I I'm not sure uh who you are there, but uh yeah, this is a tough one, right? But we see the example in Christ. It says, one uh, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Having this self-control, right? He, again, we mentioned, I mentioned earlier, he, he willfully went to the cross and died, laid down his life, and was, was buried and rose again on the third day, defeating sin and death. Christ did this all because of the love that he has for us uh, and his self-control to, to do not his will, but to do the will of the Father, right? Um, which ultimately, uh, 
it's 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 a desire to do that which pleases the father and he is god the second person of the trinity but we think about these things first peter 2:23 says when they his accusers you know hurled their insults at him meaning jesus he did not retaliate he didn't retaliate he exercised self control he exercised self control uh, i think you're saying gentleness is a tough one for me because uh, the people of the world are so disrespectful now. Yes, it's true. It's true, brother or sister. Sorry again. I don't. I'm not sure. You can clarify that for me so I can get it correct. Um, <clears throat> it says, "When he Jesus suffered, he made no threats. Instead, entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Who judges justly, right?" Um, Proverbs 25:28 says, "Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control." This this is this is sister. Okay, sister. There we go. Yep, it's a sister. All right. Thank you. But so yeah, self-control. This this for me um is one that like I said mentioned earlier when dealing with children uh and having that patience. Again, having self-control in in all kinds of situations. Having the self-control to say, you know, I know there was a time uh you know um where my wife and I had to go in and have a conversation with somebody. And, and I'm, I'm saying like, Hey, we can't let our emotions get the best of us here. We have to exercise self-control in this situation um, because the emotions can run high. People can get irritated with others and accusations and whatnot. So we have to practice self-control. We, we have to, to be able to do that um, so that we can hear, we can listen, we can take the correction if we need correction, or we can, um, you know, respond rightly if we need to respond rightly. But having that self-control is so important. Uh, Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control, under control. Um, Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age. And lastly, first Peter uh, four, seven says the end of all things is near. Therefore, therefore be clear minded and self-controlled so that you can pray that you can pray. And so these are the fruit of the spirit, right? It's one fruit. It's mentioned the fruit singular, singular. Um, but we see these love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control as this fruit of the spirit. Now, I think it's very important that we think about and consider the fact that there is good fruit, right? From this, there's good fruit. And so the Bible tells us that in Luke 6, 43 through 30, 45, 43 through 45, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree will be recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from, from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, so as Christians, we have the fruit of the spirit. We should be bearing good fruit, right? Uh, Psalm one one through three said, "Blesses the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night." He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in the season uh, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does prospers. Um, Isaiah 32, excuse me, Isaiah 32, 17 says the fruit of the righteousness, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Okay. So again, bearing this good fruit bearing good fruit. Uh, Matthew 12, 33 says, make, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. So again, bearing good fruit and we have the fruit of the spirit in us. But we also, before we leave, I want to also mention that there is bad fruit and there's a contrast that comes when it talks about um, fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, um, living a life that is producing bad fruit, which is opposite of the good fruit. Bad fruits are these acts of sin of the sinful nature. Um, 
Galatians 5, 19 through 21 and Colossians 3, 5 through 9 mentions these bad fruit, sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, debauchery, factions, hatred, drunkenness, jealousy, lust, filthy language, witchcraft, envy, selfish ambition, orgies, greed, fits of uh, rage, slander, anger, evil desires, malice, and deceit. This is bad fruit. This should not be what the Christian is displaying, right? That it should be one that is showing and displaying the fruit of the Spirit and good fruit in their life because a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. That's what the Scripture says. And so this is the, the, the fruit of the Spirit from Ephesians 5, 22 and 23. Um, or, I mean, not Ephesians, Galatians, excuse me. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And um, I hope this was a blessing or encouragement to you tonight. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. You can email us again at g220radio at gmail.com. If you have not subscribed subscribe to us over at G220 Radio uh, YouTube channel, you can do so there or follow us on our G220 Radio Facebook page. Uh, I know I'm, I'm streaming on my other channel, G220 Ministries, uh, but we don't do that every week. Uh, we do that uh, every once in a while. But, um, but you can find us over at G220 Radio. So I hope you God bless and or I hope you are, are blessed and that God would bless you and you would have a good night. That's been G220 Radio next week. David Hunter is going to be here. We're going to talk about evangelism out on the streets. We're going to hear his testimony. We're also going to talk to him about some experiences that he's had out on the streets and just getting out there and and, and stepping out of that comfort zone because it's so easy uh, to not go out and evangelize. Um, and again, it doesn't mean everyone has to be a street preacher, um, but we are all called to be a witness for Christ. So go be a witness for Christ. And until next time, God bless. <laughs>